an 8-bit Rocket Studios production. We were children of the Silicon Revolution, an X-generation conscripted to fight the console and home computer wars. A product of an analog 70s childhood, we came of digital age in the 80s, believing we could affect the world 8 bits at a time. Armed with joysticks, full-stroke keyboards, jolt cola, and MTV haircuts, we proceeded into the vertical blank. There, we stayed up late at night, devising incantations from D&D rulebooks and beginners' all-purpose symbolic instruction code. Video games were the match, and programming was the fuse, as the infinite possibilities of the digital world exploded into the internet age to come. We are Generation Atari. Today, hey, Steve. How's it going? What are we doing for our both video yeah. and and regular podcast today, Steve? We're counting the hours until we can get a vaccine and not have to be in our rooms anymore. Okay, we have that. We definitely have that. But what are we doing for our pot for our video and regular podcast today? We're Steve? Go through a couple Atari games and play them too on the video uh, multiplayer. So we we're going to play uh, a couple old Atari coin ops via uh, Atari Vault from Steam. And we're going to laugh at each other because we're really bad at them. Yeah, we're really bad at the game. This is Into the Vertical Blank, Season 4, Episode 1, Early Atari Coin Ops, including Avalanche, Fire Truck, Superbug, and Dominoes. So, you know, one of Atari's earliest coin ops from 1978 was Avalanche, programmed by Dennis Coble, and released in April of that year. Avalanche was a sort of reverse breakout in which rocks fell from the top of the screen and had to be caught by the player. So while Kaboom was not a coin-op conversion, it is kind of a version of this game. So Kaboom for the VCS. Coin Connection, Atari's uh, coin-op publication, said this about Avalanche. It said, Avalanche is an exciting new one or two player video game from Atari. It captures the skill and challenge features of Breakout and adds the thrilling play action of catching the falling rocks in an avalanche, which of course nobody on earth ever wanted to catch falling rocks in an avalanche, but whatever. Um, well, um, the the guys, Marty, Kurt and Marty, who, and uh, Kurt, rest in peace, who uh, wrote Atari Business is Fun, had this to say about Avalanche. Instead of the player paddle hitting the ball up to the bricks at the top of the screen, the player has several rows of paddles to catch the falling rocks that drop down the screen towards the player. Each time a rock is missed, the player loses a row of paddles. Several years later, in 1981, former Atari employee Larry Kaplan would copy and expand the game for Activision's Kaboom for the Atari VCA. And then, through my research, I found one other thing. In 1980... Dennis Coble released an Atari 8-bit computer version in full color through the Atari Program Exchange. There is an uncredited review on the back of Avalanche that is pretty funny. It's, it's on the <laughs> box. I think it I'll was just, written hold by... Hold on, I'll read it. 
Okay, I think it was written by Dennis Reself. Avalanche makes great use of the Atari computer's colors, graphics, and sound. Pattern after the Atari arcade game of the same name, the game really appeals to all ages. It's simple enough for young players, but it challenges experienced players. It's not meant to be a game of strategy, but rather a game demanding good motor skills. Your TV picture must be centered to accommodate the playing field. <laughs> the user manual is very good. Probably written by the, 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 the sorry, this is, probably written by the guy who wrote the user right, manual. Right, and this is on the back of the user manual. <laughs> anyway, I have the PDF that I, I got from Atari Mania. So that's Avalanche, and it's basically Kaboom. If people, if people are more, um, and we're going to play it, if people are more familiar. So with let's, it. yeah, let's let's go and try it now. I'm gonna, I'll boot up, um, Atari Vault. To check out the full gameplay session, take a look at the show notes for the link to the companion video. It's at the Into the Vertical Blank YouTube channel. Tarvalt starts up. Uh, this is the last game we played together. Tarvalt was real sports baseball. But let's go back so, to the arcade. So we're going to Avalanche. I don't think that's I don't think that's multiplayer, right? So um, uh, maybe. Uh, it might not be. It might just be taking turns. Even if it's taking turns, we can do that. So let's go to it. So there's a lot of games in Atari Vault, but we're going to look for Avalanche. Okay. So we go to host, match, and then you go try to find it. I <laughs> found it. There's Avalanche. Oh, I have, I have, um, I have, I'm, I'm controlling I'm player it. one. I'm controlling. Oh, no, you are. Yes, you are. I'm controlling it. Okay, go for it. So I didn't realize there I were like five that. paddles there. Yeah, you get five. I don't know what that sounds like. It sounds like a jet's taking off or something. It's, it's an avalanche, Jeff. It's a, it's a, I think it's the avalanche coming. Oh, you think so? Yeah. Oh, maybe it, it does pretty well with the mouse on Atari Vault, isn't it? Yeah, it does. I wonder why you got it first, because I was hosting the game. I don't know. Oh, how did I miss one? So those are color bands up there oh, on the I mean, they're oh, isolated here. But the color bands, then the rocks always drop in one color, because this is the one... Right, right. It's my turn now. Go ahead, player one. Ready, player one. All right, sorry about that. You need to apologize again for that. What's that? You need to apologize again. Oh, I apologize a second time for that. Yes. Yeah, I apologize. So while Steve's playing, I'll describe a little bit of Avalanche. There. Oh, the game's over. There's a bunch of colored rocks at the top, and you can play two-player, and um, they drop down the screen. That's about it. I'm going to um, I'm going to uh, share with audio, and I'm going to bring up the Atari 800 version of Avalanche. So I, I think honestly, I think Atari Vault is sort of a lost gem. It is. That it is. Atari, Atari Vault is Atari a lost gem. Made. You know, like it, it, you can play multiplayer Atari games, and a lot of games that were never multiplayer to begin with. I mean, never. You know, obviously multiplayer of the internet, and there's a ton that you can play, and I think it's a really cool thing. I. You know, maybe it's just me, but I, I think that they've, you know, they really did a good job with that. And you can play it on Atari VCS. I don't know how multiplayer works on Atari VCS. I'm going to guess it works the same. We've played a couple multiplayer Atari VCS games on that. No, but I mean on the Atari VCS. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're on a, the VCS yeah. 800, their new released console that includes Atari Ball. What can you see, Steve? Can you see Avalanche? Uh, I see Avalanche, Jeff. Okay, so let me see Atari if I'm... Atari 800 version of Avalanche. I do. I'm, I'm playing it in emulation. So they didn't have as much of vertical real estate. Did you say that Dennis Koble wrote this one as well? Yep. Yep. Oh, yep. Cool. He wrote this too. And it, 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 
if there's ever a virtual FujiNet, we could probably do this on FujiNet if there's a multiplayer version. I mean, but yeah. It'd be there's some a crazy setup of cameras and stuff to get the FujiNet going, but yeah. Um, the next game is Fire Truck. And Fire Truck is a uh, scrolling sort of driving game where one person controls the front of the fire truck and one one person controls the back of the fire truck like a hook and ladder fire truck soon, soon after uh, avalanche was released in june 1978 atari released fire truck fire truck is one of the first cooperative multiplayer coin ops yes it is and we will show that very soon one or two players would guide a hook and ladder fire truck around a city the game cabinet consists of a seat for the driver with a steering wheel for the cabinet and a platform directly behind the seat with another steering wheel used for the second player to control the latter portion of the fire truck it was crazy but these are the types of things you'd see in the arcade all the time back then but this one always stood out to me because we loved fire trucks because oh, we oh, loved yeah. the show emergency fire truck was a follow-up to Superbug. the idea was to create a two-player cooperative driving game in fire truck one player drove the front of the truck and the other player drove the rear now that's a quote but i don't know where it came from it might be howard delman okay a single player version of the game with named smoky joe was also released and then Frank Ballou's Atari marketing executive said about Smokey Joe, because Smokey Joe requires less space, it can be placed in many of the smaller game centers and street locations and attract players, just as Fire Truck does in places where there's more space available. So basically they're saying, basically from this, arcade operators were complaining about Fire Truck being too big, so they made a small one. From my research, I found one interesting quote from Atari Business Fun, um, and it was, Avalanche was followed by the impressive Fire Truck demonstrating Atari's commitment to innovation by being the very first video game to feature cooperative play. And as the very first video game to feature cooperative play, we're going to cooperatively play it right. And now. before we get there, I want to before we get to the game, I just want to talk, these are explain these are two games that we actually played in the arcade. Oh yeah, yeah. So is this is this season unravels. These are probably the first two games we ever played in the arcade. I'm thinking because, you know, besides watching dad play Wild Gunman, uh, we really didn't play in the arcade until sometime in 78 when after AYSO, we were able to actually go to the, the Castle Park and then play Space Invaders and other games. But this is probably, as I think, the first game I ever played in an arcade or at least some of the first Atari games we ever played in the arcade. So I remember Fire Truck being at the Aladdin's Castle in Delamo Mall. And that was oh, a place really? where we weren't allowed to go in, to be honest, but uh, but Fire Truck was on the outskirts of the arcade and we could step on that red carpet and mom and dad would let us play that one game. And then right. Avalanche was actually stayed at the front of Castle Park for many years along with Breakout. They had these two old Atari games they kept there. And so I, my first time playing Avalanche was at the Castle Park Arcade in Redondo Beach. Doesn't exist anymore. And uh, it's the same one from the Chips episode from last year. Oh yeah. And Avalanche and Breakout were right next to one another. And they were old then, but we, but I still like playing them, putting a quarter in and playing them. Yeah, they, they were, I know we played the, I know I played Fire Truck near to the time that it came out, probably 78 or 79. Something like that. Avalanche I played as well once. It was so hard. I remember it being really hard in the arcade too. Yeah, they were there really was a quarter gobbler. Yeah. So let's let me share the screen again. Now Come Fire on. Truck may be cooperative, but it's really hard. Oh yeah. <laughs> it, it, it takes it, it's it, yeah, you're right. It may be cooperative, but it's kind of a pain in the ass. 
It is definitely Wait, a must have passed it up. Hold on. Domino's fire truck. Joining the game. game. All right. So here we go. I can't remember how we started this. Um, I think I might have both started. Start. Okay. So I mine might be the front. I don't know which one up from the front or the back. Oh, wait, you need. I think I need a. Uh, I think I need a joystick for this. Oh, I'm I'm using the um the arrow keys. I don't have a joystick plugged in for this. Like a like a moron. Um, I'm pre I'm pretty sure I'm the front. And you're the okay, back. you are because I'm swinging the back. Wow. Well, I was trying to. I, it's hard to know which way to swing it, to be honest with you. Okay, let's try to get to this fire. I don't know if you ever get to the fire. I'd be fascinated if you it anyway. It's a little bit easier to, to control it with a steering wheel when you're in the arcade. Do you notice that this has a background, looping background of the of the siren, like avalanche had that looping background of the, of the avalanche. Oh, you're right. This is and and um the first scrolling driving game they made was Superbug, and um I did do I based my uh my Flash Access Hero Three scrolling engine off of Superbug. That's I right. wish I could have done this one too, but I never got to that point. Well, there we go. Game over. An yeah. exciting game of fire truck. It was an exciting game I think of fire truck. Probably that's as far as we got the first time we played too. Probably. Beyond racing games, Atari was trying to design a multitude of other games based on concepts that could not have been easily created in pure TTL logic. That's because um, people were ripping them off. Right. They could they could see the TTL logic on the board and just copy it. Domino's, designed by Dennis Coble, by the way, released in January, took the yeah. concept of Grumman's blockade coin-op and added a Domino's theme. So blockade is must be the uh, the precursor and also surround, basically right. surround. <laughs> yeah, let's play Domino's. Um, hold on one second. I didn't even notice that. There's a Domino's game coming up. Joining Domino's. Oh, man, what am I doing? you got to use the keyboard. Hold on a second. Am I the, which player am I? You're oh, white. I'm white. You're okay. White. Oh my so God, Domino's is surround. Domino's is surround. It's surround. I said that. It's like I know you said that, but I'm just. I, it, it's cool because it's surrounded on a, on a little bit higher a resolution screen than the Atari 8 bit. Yeah. I mean, Atari 8 bit. Then the Atari 2600, so you get more space to play in. Plus, I like the your. It's cool when that when you when you hit the dollars all fall down, which is hilarious. Yeah. I think you have this one one just because. Well, let's see. Okay. I don't think so. You totally could have gotten Only because I did something. Oh, man! That is sweet! To have the dominoes all fall down? That's right. I like right. this. Yeah. This is fun. I've never actually played this till today. I've never Me either. I've never played this either, which is really cool. That's a cool effect. So Domino's, um, for the very quickly for the podcast version, Domino's is basically surround except for when you get when you get knocked, oh, no. it, it leaves a trail of Domino's behind you, in the same perspective as surround. And when you when you crash, it knocks down all your Domino's. That's that little noise. At, in a little, it's neat. Like that. If someone had made Domino's.
Okay. For the most part, the coin hops of 1977 took few chances and built on already established concepts. Racing contests continued to fill much of Atari's 77 coin hop lineup. Atari released Drag Race, which allowed one or two players to compete in a side view drag race. Oh, is, is that on here? Because we should we should check that out. I don't, um, next we could do it next time. Well, next time complete, we get around. Sure. Sure. Complete with detailed animated cars. September saw the release of Superbug, designed by Howard Delman, a top-down, multi-directional scrolling game. And this is what Howard Delman said about Superbug. Superbug was my first coin-operated video game. It presented a top-down view of a city street. Its original name was City Driver. The player had a fixed amount of time to drive his bright yellow bug as far as he could go. Obviously, the idea was to drive as fast as possible. This idea, this was made difficult by sudden turns on the road, surprise slicks, sand traps, and parked cars. And of course, Fire Truck is obviously a rebranded Superbug where you've got two two parts of the right, um, exactly. Fire Truck to move. Superbug. Um, so I'm sure it's really hard, to, but it's very similar to what we just saw. It's easier though, because you don't have me sw- like swinging the back of the superbug into into the. Um... Well, there's definitely a way to change gears, but I don't know what it is. Shift, maybe. I'm not sure. And you, basically, in this one, you just drive until your fuel's out, and they say how far you got. That's the basics of this game. Yeah, it is a driving game. I made a driving game called Drive. She said. For it for our flashbook, it was based off of this, and um, looks like you like this. But you but you tried to finish levels, and drive. She said, I think is my um, reference to a um, a song by uh, the guys who did Mexican Radio. What no, am I thinking? No, no, no. Stan, Stan Ridgeway. Oh, it's just Stan Ridgeway did the drive. She said, yeah, yeah. It, it was Stan Ridgeway who was who was in Wall of Duty, but it was his, it was uh, his solo song. This is actually the most interesting game so far because you can actually one player can play it without without someone banging into things. I think you got to keep it in this top cube. Superbug has Steve driving around. Um, Why am I oh, doing worse now than I did? Like I, I was really excited before, was like that because you were going slow before. So Steve is demonstrating how the faster you go, the more speed you have the more accident prone you are and why you should keep your speed low when you're in residential areas. Right, Steve? Oh, yeah. Um, it feels like I'm driving backwards. Yeah, because it looks like I'm driving backwards because the, because the bug has, that th- has its thing in the front. Yeah. So a, a, a Volkswagen Beetle has its trunk in the front and so it looks like, yeah. There's little wavy, wavy lines here. A cool scrolling game, though. I mean, if you. When I was originally, the, the date on this is nine twenty six two thousand and eight, and this was when wow. I was when I was f- trying to figure out how to do, um, scrolling, on in oh yeah action you, script. You, you kind I of made the graphic. Super bug. Wait, didn't 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 wasn't there a time when Marty asked us if we wanted to try to remake some yeah. of these games? Um, for, for there Atari? is a remake of Superbug, and it's pixel perfect. I didn't do that. This wouldn't have been one of them, or it might have been. 
we had talked about because I had I had talked about doing Av- Avalanche and you'd pick Superbug, and Whoa, it was this project that a, that Atari had to redo all their games in Flash right. back in like 2000, and um and we we did some little tests, but it wasn't going to work out for us. So this one is just a scrolling world where the world is these tiny little 16 by 16 tiles, and so that's all it is. So anyway, it's basically I use Superbug as the um uh, the uh the inspiration for that eight ways that the eight way scrolling world. Cool. Hey everybody, it's Bill from Atari Bytes. Every week on my show I play a great old game, then I read an original short story I wrote inspired by that game. Loosely inspired. Okay, often completely different. Sometimes not even based on any sort of reality. In contrast, on Into the Vertical Blank, which you're listening to right now, you get real stories about real people and what these games mean to them. So keep listening. The, the season was over in the last episode. We kind of did our, uh, you know, season-ending Christmas episode like we always do. And uh, yeah, now we're we're in January. Uh, post coup, post coup attempt, post coup attempt. There might be more coup attempts. We'll see. Post coup attempt in between. One coup attempt and inauguration. It's all exciting. We're all exhausted from a year of total crap. And, uh, you know, hoping that I'm uh, going to, I'm going to, uh, we got a, we got a little bit of feedback. Oh, let's, let's so, talk about our feedback. So I'm going to, I'm going to read one we got from Greg Taunt. He sent it to a WordPress. So he sent it, he sent it to our website, which was good. And we can actually get feedback that way. And he said, hi, I just wanted to drop you a note and say that I love your podcast. I had so many of the same thoughts as I was growing up, Ari, Atari, and the importance of their systems. Listening to your memories reminds me of my own. I wanted to make sure you knew that I thoroughly enjoy your geeking out on Atari. I got my VCS, but it was the Sears Video Arcade on Christmas as well. That's cool. That's cool. That's cool. Like we said, that was was just for... um, to get our parents to get one. Video arcade was fine. Yeah, video arcade is awesome. So on Christmas as well, and it was a life changer. Definitely altered the trajectory of my life. Thanks. Merry Christmas. Take care. That was a good one. Nice. Yeah, and that's awesome. So then there was one on Twitter, and it is from a familiar, a familiar face. Tony Longworth. The new track is K-A-O-S-S. Chaos. How about Very cool. Um, how was Christmas, Steve? How was your holiday? How was your video game and media and pop culture related Christmas, Steve? Uh, I mean, it was okay. So we started. I started Christmas break. I took off work. I think on the 18th, and instantly started programming an Atari 7800 Christmas game. Nice. Um, and it's called, I think we might've talked about it in the last episode, yeah. uh, Santa versus the Nightmares. You have not and yet the put a video of it up, have you? Because I've not seen a video of, of how great the movement is on uh, the I don't know. You know what, maybe I'll do that. So I started making uh, a game and then I got sidetracked um, making a pokey music player. And then I got back to the game and I got to the point where you could fly and shoot some Nightmares and some very basic scenery went dot went by at the bottom of the screen and uh, some stars went by in the background and then i kind of kind of came to christmas and then I, I i it was like i wasn't excited about it anymore 
so I stopped and then Christmas came and I got the PS5 and instantly I started playing FIFA 2021 which is probably I have to say one of the best role-playing games I've ever played I'm gonna feel like that for the I think I'm gonna ask for that for my birthday for the PS4 yeah, I, I will say I it could be that the winning 11 career is better but here's what i'll say like both winning 11 and fifa now have these career modes and there's there's stuff to the back of the game because most people play on fifa they play this this like sort of trading card thing and then they have this this the top game is like this volta soccer which is like a i don't know three or four player multiplayer no no well it could be multiplayer but but it's all multiplayer but volta is like like a street soccer. I just want to play the. I want to play a team or a player in, in a real season, and the FIFA one. What it did this time doesn't do it perfectly, but uh, I joined up as a 19 year old in the Galaxy, and I scored like 50 goals and 50 assists in a season, <laughs> and then I got called up to the national team, and I played a couple games in the na- national team, which was really cool and really exciting. I also got the chance to be traded to the Premier League. But then I, I didn't, when I got traded, I got traded to a team and then I didn't, they just sat me on the bench. So I went back and restarted for my save game so I could I could continue playing on the Galaxy instead. But now after finish the Galaxy season, it was kind of anticlimactic because we, we won everything. We won the, the, the cup and we won MLS cup and the, and the, and the, and the I don't know what you call the club cup that they There's have. The US well. Open Cup. The US, US Open Cup. Thank you. And then, and then, and then, what was really disappointing was I scored two goals in um, in one of the national team games, but then there was no record of it anywhere that I could find. And then I subsequently started my next season, and I'm about ten games in, have scored thirty goals, and I'm waiting to be, you know, to get traded to the um, to the Premier League again. And it's kind of like, okay, that was fun. It's like it's a cool cre- career mode. There's training and stuff to make your numbers go up. But it's not. There's still not enough meat there, or of interesting events. Someone needs to go look at Mule and figure out what interesting events could be. So there's a. Game. It doesn't exist anymore that you can download on a Mac or a PC. But it sounds like New Star Soccer. But New Star Soccer was, it was overhead, um, very similar. It was it was kickoff style, but really it was they were he was aping sensible. Sensible. So he's yeah, he was making sensible soccer, but it was a game just like that where you went through your whole career. It was great. People would upload leagues. He did all kinds of great stuff. Actually, somehow they had a database of all these young U.S. stars before anyone else had heard of them, and they would be on the team. You'd be playing with those. It was interesting. Like they did a really good job. But now that game is really only on mobile, and he was using something called Blitz Basic to make it. And um, I think that started on the Amiga, so that he he started as an Amiga developer, then moved to the PC and Mac. And it was good good game. And I would I asked him if I could get another copy of it, and I think he said like, yeah, on their site they may sell an old version that will work on Windows 8 or something like that. But they <laughs> doesn't do anymore. But that was a great one. I'd like to do it, but you just discouraged me from asking for that game now because I want a good I want a good career mode. Uh, it's good. No, I think FIFA's it is good. The career mode is good. I think that it's it's really fun to play. It's actually easier to play than winning eleven is. Uh, so I, I enjoy it. I, I can talk, I'm not gonna say it's bad. It's just there's a few things that I wish was better. But I I think I can have I think I could have fun trying to play at least. Once. Yeah, oh, you could totally have fun. The other thing I forgot to say was right before Christmas, I put my uh, bedroom TV on the wall in the family room. Mm-hmm. I hooked up my seventy eight hundred. 
and I played River Raid for the first time. And what I did this Christmas was I bought for myself because I couldn't ask anyone for this stuff. I bought a um, a, a new copy of River Raid and a new copy of Vanguard so I could Ooh. open them. And then I opened, I unleashed them, opened them, and um, and then I played River Raid for the first time on a on a console with a real joystick in like. I don't know, 35 years. So you and were I, remaking Christmas 1982? Two, yes. I blasted my high score by like 20,000 points or something on that. The fir- my, my first game was awesome. But with your 7800 hooked up to the TV, you yeah. also now have your cartridge, your multi-cart, right? We'll talk about that later. So, okay. Yes. So, so, so what you, else Christmas-wise? Uh, there was you. We also got each other Pi Four Hundred. I haven't set my Pi Four Hundred. Oh, up, I've so. played. I've played the hell so out of the Pi. Tell me about. Pie. Tell me about your Christmas. So trip. I pulled the Pi Four. Okay, so uh, you. So oh, by the way, my uh, Owen also bought me one of the that uh, that Atari uh, um, uh, box. I, I, I don't remember. It has all the stickers and oh and the patches. The, and t- it's really 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 cool. The Atari cool it, gift box, right? Yeah, yeah. Or yeah, something. he found it on Amazon and was so excited to find it for me and knew I didn't have it. And you know that's what cool kids are for. And then um, lucky, he also made me uh, wooled me a uh, a Qbert. Oh my um, god, wool, which is amazing. And uh, the other kids got me great stuff. It was it was it, Christmas was good. Christmas was good. It was it was cool. Well, I uh, I got that retro. I got that Pi four hundred from you, which was really good. And so I started out using the Pi four hundred. But on Christmas Day, uh, Jeannie's parents had gifted me some money, and I was looking for like I really and I hadn't got myself really got myself a, a retro a retro system that I really wanted to play in a long time. Like, uh, last year, I got one. And I have a bunch of these systems by like at games and stuff, but they all break, right? So I wanted something that wasn't going to break. And it turned out that the at games arcade pro, which is not a stand-up machine. It really is just like, it's a long controller with two people, six buttons per person or eight buttons with pinball buttons on the side and a, and a, um, a trackball. You could get that and you could, um, add in what's called coin ops X, which adds in. 1400 coin ops from main 2003 on it and i got that all to fit almost 100 percent on a 64 gig usb stick i had to i had to remove like some of like whatever super fighter seven and eight because they're too big right anything that was over a a gig i had to get rid of <laughs> there's things that are just huge so i got rid of all the giant stuff and then i put it in and now i just have like anytime i want i can play Food Fight or Galaga with real buttons, and I can go over to Millipede or Centipede or even Tempest and play Tempest with a trackball, and it's like, this is awesome. One thing I haven't done yet is try to use that with any with the Atari. So with Atari 800, ST, or um, uh, is it emulation? It would have to be emulation. So I'd have to hook that up to the Pi 400 or the Pi 3.5. So um, the other thing that I got was the Pi 400, which I right away downloaded and created a um a RetroPie distribution for it and then i downloaded a couple of different operating systems and tried them out and i found my favorite operating system is twister os which can look like five or four or five different operating systems but mine looks like windows right now you have between windows and a mac and with that one they have a version of RetroPie that's built into the operating system 
or that's loaded on. So you can play from there, but if the but some of the sounds don't work, so it's better just to boot into it anyway. But it's just fun to play with. So I can so the first what I did was I made sure that the Atari ST emulator and my STOS stuff was set up on every operating system I made, and I brought out the STOS book and I set up a little desk in the living room, and I have that little computer there with a monitor, and my STOS book and a couple of things, and so far I've programmed nothing, <laughs> but I've played a lot of arcade games and it's been fun. So um, that's cool. Uh, okay, so the th I forgot the other thing that uh, my wife got right before she found the Once Upon a Atari book by Howard Scott Warshaw. Uh, so you she got that me for copy me. And you I got, got it for you as well. That was fantastic. Um, it is. It's a really good book. I, I don't know if people have bought it or not, but it's the first real book of you know by someone written at who was programming games at Atari when you know Atari was Atari. And so the insight is is amazing. It's very detailed too. I mean, like he goes into great detail about his process. I did ping him on Twitter and ask him if we could interview him. He said yes, he said yes. back then. I, I this is probably in mid mid December. I don't know if that'll actually happen. I'll I'll ask him again and see if he's still interested. He's got to be incredibly um, busy now after the book. Yeah, yeah. I, but but I will say that um, that it would be cool to interview Howard Scott Warshaw. You know, it's interesting on on that note. You know, when it, it you know you we think about how we go back and ask people for interviews or ask some questions about games that they worked on. Every once in a while, I will get an email from some kid who wants to know about the games we worked on at Mattel. That's awesome. Um, it's happened three times now. And the, the latest one was last week. Some kid and his brother loved Planet Hot Wheels, which is a MM, like an MMOG, yeah. this weird MMOG kind of game made in Macromedia Director kind of in, but, but a big, huge download in like 2002 and 2003 and i was the dev manager on that one and he i guess he he's been trying to find out information about it because he he and his brother loved to play it and then it disappeared they couldn't find anything so he went to linkedin and searched and found my name <laughs> on there and so i i told him what i knew which is not much no one is no one around even knows what that Keith kirby is. would know right like Keith, Keith kirby, kirby would know yeah you know, because he was the game designer. He he went on to to be a designer for Guitar Hero yeah. after that as yeah, well. Kirby's and he, and he worked on Genesis games before that. He worked at PF Magic with Rob Fulop. They worked on Pets, um, and then um, and then he went on to work at a bunch of games. He's a really really sharp designer. Uh, Kirby's um, a good guy. Yeah, he's a cool guy. Anyway, he 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 did most of the design on that thing, but um, but but there's no one left at Mattel that would even know anything about it. And so I think he was the kid was getting the runaround. He found me. I told him what I knew that wasn't proprietary, um, you right? Know, just just like when it was up and what the games were and who worked on them and stuff stuff like that. But I mean, anyway, I think, all I'm saying, you know, Ernie Lafke, if you if Ernie Lafke would be a good person to interview about. No, that. Ernie did not work on that. He didn't. Er, oh, okay. Ernie, no, he didn't. No, he you didn't. know, Chris did. You remember Chris? The, um, Yes. Yeah, Chris and I think and then Don Delucia did as well. Yeah, but those guys you know, are all the retired. Guys. They're all gone from Mattel now. I mean, yeah, that's... yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and anyway, my my point is is that now I know a tiny bit about what it feels like when someone hits you up for something you did twenty years ago, 
Yeah, especially um, that was but, 20 years ago, right? But, but of course, you know, and it's it, it's cool because there's kids now that have kind of played the stuff that we played on the that we made on the web, and they're they're wondering what happened to it. It all went away. It, right? I know. It, so there, there will eventually be a way for them to play it, but it's going to be a while. You know, it's going to yeah, be. I mean, they're starting to get the Flash stuff up on um, on uh, you know the Internet Archive, uh, which is cool. But the Flash support on Internet Archive right now is just AS2. So mostly games made before 2008 run. Nothing with video. There's a lot of there's a lot of things that HTML5 can't do that Flash could do still. So anyway, yeah. move on from from that. So that that book sounds good. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say was yes. Okay, so you mentioned before, I bought a Dragonfly cart for the 7800, which is a 7800 SD cart. Um, it was not cheap. I think it ended up costing me like 160 bucks or something. And it has a it has a Yamaha sound chip in it, and it also has a Pokey sound chip in it. Um, I was able to play three of my um, homebrew games worked fine, and actually the Pokey music worked great. A couple of them have some issues that I think I know what they are, but in general, it it, it works great. It ha- needs an external power supply, but it has a little screen on it so you can select the games from the screen. It doesn't. There's no like menu. There's no interactive menu, but there's a screen on the thing. It's very easy to use. And uh, I'm able now to uh, to program stuff on the on my computer and test it out in real hardware on the 7800. It's awesome. That's really um, there cool. are other the other carts. I think the Concerto is being re-released now as well. Oh, good. But um, but all I'm saying is it's cool. And then at the same time, I forgot. I'd forgotten until Sunday night that the Zero Page Homebrew team had asked me to do um, some Homebrew Award nominations. And so I played all the all the 1700 Homebrew games from last year, all the ones that were finished and in our work in progress. And I submitted my nominations. So they they're, they're I guess they'll be out soon. You want to mention one? Uh, I'll tell you one game that I absolutely loved is called Exo for the 7800. It, it, it reminds me of kind of an Atari ST slash Synapse shooter. Yeah, it's really good. I, would, I think I remember there, that I mean, one. I mean, there's tons of great games. The guy who makes the Dragons game, there's several of the Dragon games. Those are all just beautiful and great. It, you know, there's there's so many good games for the 7800 can do lots of stuff. I, I there's a bright future for 7800 homebrew development, I got to tell you. You know, people remaking, I'm not interested in doing this myself. I like to make my own dumb ideas, but people remaking arcade games and making versions of of actual arcade games from the late 80s and and 90s or, you know, it, it it's going to be huge once once it proliferates more and people are able to play them. Those are the 7800, which is so much untapped potential. So much untapped potential, especially with the pokey in it. And, and you know, the, the, the Dragonfly supports up to 512K carts, bank switch carts. I mean, that just, you know, all that means is that you can have tons of graphics, right? I mean, tons of extra stuff, tons of levels. It, it, it's like a bright future. I'm really excited to be on the ground floor and doing some of those things. So I, I like it. I'm really enjoying that. So one of the things I did notice was that you were putting up lots of pictures of you and I and all the various Atari computers and video game equipment we had in the 80s that you found by scanning in negatives, right? Yeah, yeah. So I got, okay, so what happened is I went to the storage facility and, and with mom and dad's stuff and I found a box that I had been stuffing all 
photographs into. And mom kept all the negatives of, well, most of the negatives of everything. And I started scanning the photos. You know, what I, what I learned is 35 millimeter photographs are the easiest to scan and look great, right? But not everyone took 35 millimeter photographs. And a lot of the photographs are 110 size, which is what, so dad had a 35 millimeter camera and then mom had a 110 camera always. The 110 camera pictures are just okay when you scan them. I had to buy a, a, a specific scanner for the 110 pictures because I because they didn't scan with my with my old photo scanner, but the 35 millimeter ones did. And then what I noticed was that I didn't realize this, but mom had had gone from her 110 sort of Kodak bar camera in the mid 80s. She went to the the micro cassette the Betamax, the, I don't know what another example would be of cameras, the disc camera. Disc camera, right. In the mid 80s. We each had a disc camera too. Yeah, we did. And nothing scans disc camera photos, except last night, I'm like, what if I I go to this this negative scanner that I bought that has like this, this lighted tray and I just stick the disc on inside one picture at a time and lo and behold they scan okay not great but but it turns out disc camera pictures are also like half the resolution of 110 camera pictures which were already a quarter of the resolution 35 millimeters so like disc camera pictures are anyway so i'm looking at a couple here one of them is it's you and i uh, looking at a um, Atari ST, you have the ST turned around and you're doing something to it. And then next oh, to it, that's, is, not, that's from the 1989 set. Okay. What I really was a giant bought, joystick. Yeah. Oh, I think we just bought our 1040 ST. Yes, I from, think so too. From Federated Group, and we were putting it together. I think that's what that picture is. Got it. We bought a 1040 ST on credit. From Federated Group, we did, didn't we? Um, hey, look at this. No, do we spend credit, or we do we? Yes, actually... it was on credit. Okay, um, but it was, so look at this. We had I, and I don't know what happened to it, but we gave it to Dad. I'm sure, but it got. But we have both a color and a black and white monitor at that time. Oh yeah, yeah. We had, the, we had the when... ST black and white high res monitor first. We got a color monitor pretty quickly. No, we got a color monitor when we purchased the um, when we we were using a TV up until we got the uh, monitor for um. Oh, that's right. You could you could you could TV out. Yeah, that's so right. That first ST, I just found the 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 um, the booklet for the 520 ST external disc drive, but the 520 ST actually had no built-in disc drive, but it did have a modulator. When we sold the ST to Brandon, we didn't sell him the monitor, did we? He hooked it up to his TV. Yeah, but my thinking is he had a monitor because it because Arkanoid and everything looks so great on it. I think he might have bought one secondarily. Maybe I Maybe. don't know. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Yeah. So you found a bunch of pictures. One thing I want to talk about was um in the Atari 800 one. One of them we had. We have a Wico Command and Control joystick. I don't remember having one of those, uh, but yeah, I know we did. When we when when we bought when we got J, um Dave Elwood's Atari computer, it came with two Wico joysticks. Oh, okay, okay, perfect. Yeah, perfect. it did. It did. Um, but um, yeah, there's also a photo of us of you playing the 7800 with our sister. 
And uh, you noticed in that picture that there's Atari 800 on the desk. Yes, and I was positive that that 800 XL was gone. And then I think our timing is a little off on that 7800 NST story because no, 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 maybe no. We sold stuff later. Dad got an Atari. No, Dad got an Atari 800 XL. He let us borrow it between the times oh, between those okay. times. But we didn't have a disk drive or anything for it, so I don't know what we're doing with it. Um, probably playing carts. Probably there's probably some carts. Carts, or, or maybe he know. did have a disk drive for all I know. Because John, our cousin John, gave me back an Atari um, disk drive, and I said, "Where did you get this from?" He says, "From your dad." No. And so I what said, "What's the 800 XL?" He said, "I don't know." So he sent That's it. That's probably he where it went. His, he also sent me his um his Commodore 64 with his 1541 disk drive. So I have that also. So I was going to say that uh, on the PS5, just you know, also playing a game called Persona Five, which is amazing. It's our, it's a, it's a, it's a stylized Japanese RPG, really, really cool. But, but okay, so, so every if you don't have PS Plus, you have PS Plus? Not right now. I, I don't. Need, I barely okay. turn on the PS4. So okay. I don't. I've, I've well, so if you have PS Plus, every month you get these free games, right? They get a two, one to three free games that they let you put it download into your or just put into your library and download it when you want to. Yeah. The January free game was a game called Maneater. And I'd been interested in this because I read a review where it's like, you know, you, you play a gray white shark and the, the the goal is to like it's like become the apex predator, you know, grow from a small shark into an adult shark and travel the ocean and you know, I'm like, this sounds cool. Like, this could be kind of a kind of a cool game. So I went and played it, and that whole part about growing up from a small shark to a big one happens in about a minute. <laughs> and then right after that, you're basically eating hundreds of people on the beach in, you know, Florida. It's basically like Postal as a shark. Oh, yeah, and yeah. It could yeah, have yeah. been so much better. It could have been such a better game, and it's just dumb. And so when I was playing it, I'm like, wait a minute. I remember there was an article in Electronic Games Magazine in like 1982 or 1983 called Games We Hope We Never See. And I swear to God, there was one called Maneater about a shark, and I bet these guys just redid it. So I went to look at that article, which is actually in the, the May 1982 issue on page 47 called again games you'll never see we hope um by, by les paul robley is the guy who wrote this it's a humorous look at some unlikely future video games and i wanted to read them starting with the first one which is oh. over on the left called freeway menace do it and actually have a discussion about whether these games actually did occur because this is you know let's this is almost 40 years ago and in that time you know, gaming has changed so much that it's possible that some of these games did arrive. From Electronic Games, May 1982, games you'll never see, we hope. Freeway Menace. It's a no-holds-barred race to the death on the L.A. freeway system. You are 10 minutes late for work. Your job is 30 miles away. Heavy traffic lies between you and your irate boss. Put your driving skills to the test as you race against time to risk both whiplash and job loss. Realistic sound effects added for your enjoyment. Tires screech, horns blare, and fenders bend. If you beat the clock and punch it on time, a whistle signals your triumph. But if you fail to achieve your goal, a grating computer voice lets you have it between the eyes and says, you're fired. Now, of course, some of the details here are things you might find in a game from 1982. But the idea of 
of a of a race on the LA freeway system. I mean, that reminds me of Midtown Madness. Well, Midtown Madness, and also, I mean, the uh, the specifics of this game are kind of like something that you would have found in one of the Grand Theft Auto games. Yeah. Um, it's funny because the you're fired. This is, is like Donald one Trump mission game. in a Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, game. this would be one mission in Grand Theft Auto. Would be there are there are actually a few where you need to get from one place to the other, and if you don't, your your game's over, or you have to go still back. So this that actually that actual thing is basically has happened. I mean, yes. not a, not not to the exact detail, but yes, there are games where you race to a place and stop. Crazy Taxi is basically this game. Yes, this one has been done multiple times. At least the, at least the, the type of game. Yeah. Okay. Next one. Alien Invaders. This is how come these are all have to do with Donald Trump? Anyway, you are the head <laughs> of a U.S. Border Patrol crossing who must search incoming trucks for illegal aliens without unduly hindering law-abiding vehicles. Your opponent controls the smuggling operation, hiding aliens in fruit trucks, storage bins, and tourist luggage. Can you seal the border? Two players. I mean, no, this game hasn't been made. But... Not exactly, but I mean, the indie game Papers, Please from a few years ago is about you working at the border. Right, Papers, at least, Please. At least it's, uh, it's about you working kind of in, you know, customs agent. So I think not exactly, but I mean, the idea of it is there. This one is kind of very 80s. You know, the, the movie The Border probably had just come out or something. Right. Um, if right. you remember, we went and saw that at the movie theater. So very much about the other you know, from the perspective of uh, white people. But it, I don't think this is a game people would make now for other reasons, but I think that it, it has somewhat been done. Okay, well, the next one is just silly because it's that every game say. ever made. Nuclear, nuclear war games. General quarters, general quarters, all, hand, all hands, man the battle stations, check your bearings on the strategy chart, commence firing. Both players possess an equal stockpile of nuclear and thermonuclear weapons. First player to destroy his opponent's Half the globe wins two players. Balance of Power by Chris Crawford was basically that this game. game. But also, I mean, and maybe he's thinking action game wise, but I'm thinking every single, like, the same concept as every single Battle Royale game or every single game where you play Doom against a bunch of people and you all die because you have heavy weaponry. I mean, yes, it's not thermonuclear war, but you're, but, yeah. but this is every game. That game's been made, I swear. <laughs> There's a game just like that out there. Again, if you want to follow along, uh, it's, it's page 48 of the May 1982 issue of Electronic Games Magazine. We found it on digitpress.com in the library section. There's other places to find it as well. But if you're interested in reading this issue, which otherwise is a really good issue, too, so go check it out. This. I'm going to keep this reading up. old Electronic Games Magazines is, is fun for coming up with content to talk about on exactly. a podcast. Exactly. That's that's going well, on three next years Next one, now. I haven't read, but by the title of it, I think this has been done. Um, Prom Night Massacre. It's time to put on your, your corsages, girls, and get out your mace. It's prom night, and there's a madman loose in the school building. Is it the stranger seen lurking around campus during girls' gym? Or could it be one of your closest friends who has a hang-up nobody knows about? Only your opponent knows, for sure, as he cleverly corners and attempts to slash you and your computer-controlled classmates into strips of data tape. You narrow, this is really in bad taste, but you narrowly stave off your, his attack as he pursues you with baseball bats, hockey sticks, assorted phys ed equipment. Your opponent gains points for every computer-operated classmate he wipes out while you rack up points by eluding his crazed <coughs> attacks. 
first player to score 10 points or limit the other wins. So he's making a bunch of two-player games. Yeah, um, th- this is another two-player game. I, I would... I- I mean, single player. This is part. this I mean, basically is is a is is night uh, night trap. Night trap. Yeah, yeah. Night basically trap. night trap. It's not exactly. I mean, there's the, some of the details aren't the same, but well, it's, it's night trap. Um, but it's basically night trap. This was made. Okay, my turn. Um, I'm going to say it's called Gang Wars. I mean, there's actually a game called Gang Wars. Gang Wars. I know. And there were multiple multiple sort of Facebook. Um, Gang Wars, I think yeah. I think Zynga made made. Oh yeah, they made Mob Wars and a bunch of stuff. <laughs> so just, what is this? Read this Gang Wars. Alone, you remember a street gang is accidentally strayed onto rival turf, fighting against almost insurmountable odds. You must use the weapons at your disposal: three knives, a zip gun, lead pipe. With luck, you may even meet up with computer-controlled members of your own gang, um, one who is a martial arts expert. Watch out! Both gangs are vulnerable to randomly appearing roving police cars. The terrain over which you struggle will constantly shift calling for new tactics computer selects a random from 250 slum areas around the nation street maps with authentic scale are included in the deluxe box set whip out those joysticks and let's rumble well i mean it's, you know kind of a joke but but you could do this now with google maps and and obviously um uh a lot of the beat-em-ups you know from the late 80s sure. you know like the 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 um it did this uh, already but I mean, you're missing the most Grand Theft Auto and uh, is basically the game. Double Dragon, Grand Theft nope. Auto, uh, yeah. Gang Wars, uh, um, Mob Nar- Wars. I mean, whatever. Mob Wars. I mean, this is all. Yeah, this this territory has been covered. Yeah, it seems um, like there were ideas back then that they didn't think we could do, but we could easily do them. Yeah, I mean, obviously, yes. it's been 40 years. So, Medflies and Deluxe Medflies. Basically, it's asteroids where you shoot Medflies. Um, a variant of asteroids. You are a farmer who's field is being ravaged by a swarm of Mediterranean fruit flies with various forms of pesticides, smoke, and bazooka fire. You must save your crops, but you but be warned, too much firepower could destroy your crops more quickly than insects. Oh, yes. In deluxe medflies, the insects adapt quite readily to your sprays, so new insecticides must be constantly employed to stop them. I don't know. It's kind of something like the game, maybe the game Virus. I don't know. I mean, this kind of reminds me of Centipede a little bit, and Millipede, and 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 Black Widow, which is actually a lot like this, the Atari coin op, um, where you're you're a Black Widow. I mean, it's kind of funny, but at the same time, like this is not too dissimilar from dozens of other games that came out at the time. So, yeah, um, it's not even very funny. To be honest, I think I think the the author was running out of steam when he got this far. Like they needed him to fill three pages of the magazine. So this was called Roman Circus One, and of course this is indicative of all the games back then. This should have been there's Roman Circus One and Roman Circus Two. I'll read the both. They should have been two different levels of the same game. Come on, guys, we needed levels at the time. Anyway, okay, Roman Circus One. You and a teammate find yourself in a Roman arena, circa 74 A.D., where you Compete for the right to worship the religion of your choosing. All around you are hungry lions, bears, Komodo dragons, all computer controlled and all intent on eating you. Defeat them, and the computer sends out a regiment of gladiators to have at you. And then Roman Circus 2, in the second version of the Surefire Hit, the roles are reversed. You and another player become the hungry animals, gaining points by devouring as many Christians as possible before the computer judge signals the end of time okay so first let me say rome circus one i don't know if i've i I, has there been a gladiator game there might have there might have been um i'm sure there is i I mean mean, there's been all those rome all those like uh real strategy games like rome and stuff like that i'm sure 
there was gladiators in there. So that's fun. And then Roman Circus 2 sounds a little bit like Maneater. So that might have been that might have been where I got the idea for Maneater. There from, have been billions of gladiator games. I don't know if any of them have to do with religion or not, but yes, they've been you know, I mean, I mean, think about the time this was written. I mean, from the perspective, it's probably written in, in 1980. It's it comes out in the May 1982 issue of Electronic Games, which which actually was released in Mar in, in April 1982, which means you got a three month lead time. So we're talking January. So all of this was really sort of written probably in 1981, late 1981. He hadn't even first... checked. He hadn't even checked all the games released because there's a game for the Apple II called Medfly Mania from 1981. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, but the perspective here is like thinking about the person who wrote this. Video games are very simple to this person who wrote this. Like, it, it probably has never played computer games, and the the concepts are fairly like what you see at the arcade only. I'm I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. I think as we think about arcade games, you're right. Um, okay, what's the next one? It's Patty Scuba Scare, P-A-D-I. Yeah. Spit in your mask and tighten up that weight belt for you and your opponent are diving buddies this time. So it's all two-player games. You see oh, the okay. U.S. Navy... You see the U.S. Navy dive tables provided with a game. You and your buddy must dive to a depth randomly determined by the computer. You descend in murky, turbulent waters in search of the lost treasure of Andrea yeah. Doria. Okay. Now, wasn't that a big thing oh, at the time, the Andrea Doria? Like, yes. didn't they, weren't there commercials about the Andrea Doria? Must have been at the time. Okay. With only 500 PSI gauge pressure remaining in your tank, you must conserve all your energy as you risk decompression sickness, nitrogen narcosis, and subcutaneous emphysema. Wow. In a desperate attempt to locate the treasure before your buddy Wait, now you're playing against one another? And then reach the surface in one piece. But be forewarned, various horrors of the deep, including sculpins, stingrays, mana wars, orcas, and great white sharks will try to thwart your plans. Who will, oh, as well as your public This is too long. You don't have to read the whole thing. Who will suffer nothing to you, blah, blah, blah. Let me look this up. Scuba. What did, wasn't there an Activision game where you played scuba diving? Scuba diving. Scuba venture. Um, scuba dive on this Commodore 64. But it's not just scuba. I mean, that like the act wasn't there an activation game where you were a scuba diver? Yeah, there was, but I'm not seeing. It's not what's called scuba diver. It's called something else. No, no. Um, Aqua Venture. I mean, so yeah, I'm just looking for ones that had that name in it. Sure, there was you know m many scuba diving games. I don't think all of them are quite as detailed as that with the amount of pressure you're. I mean, there are no scuba simulations that I know of. Probably there is one. I mean, it's kind of cool, a game we were searching for a treasure, you know, that's kind of cool. Yeah. And diving for a treasure, that's actually kind of a, kind of a, a interesting game. But I mean, diving for treasure games, I can guarantee you that there's a diving for treasure game that takes all of that into account, but that's just a match three game that, that someone would play. You know what I mean? All those games are I don't, like... I, by the way, I don't see an Activision game where you were a scuba diver, but I know there was a scuba diver game just for the 2600. Hmm. There must have been one. Right? I thought there was, anyway. It, I, I don't see scuba dive, anything with that it's name. It's not but called I'm... scuba diving. It was yeah. called something else. Maybe I'm really... thinking of Dolphin. Uh, Dolphin's a good game, too, yeah. Teacher Terror. It's your first day uh, at a pedagogue, an unruly mob of high school students from low-income areas, risking abusive behavior. Here, here's what I'll say. And, and I'll just, abusive behavior, derisive catcalls, pencil shavings, 
in your tobacco pouch, razor toting females, spitball sharpshooters, you must attempt to teach a lesson and in personal hygiene to them. I mean, come this on. This is every teacher that has to, I mean, not, I'm not saying every class is like this, but every teacher has to deal with unruly kids. Not just yeah, the yeah, ones from the low but income areas. That, that Jesus. The, the, the attempt <laughs> here is to be funny about a game about going to school. Well, let's, let's be honest. There's a billion Japanese, you know, school simulators but I think bully is the closest to this, Bullies. right? Were you actually the bully at school? I mean, there's you... school days that came out for like some Spectrum a long time ago, and there's yeah. out for, there's a version for the Atari 100 now. Um, I think even parts of Adrian Moldiaries, you you're at school. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. Maybe not from the teacher's perspective. Yeah, I don't know, about, although there might be. I don't know about games from the teacher's perspective. That's an interesting like like a teacher role playing game, which would be really or or even adventure game. Um. Yeah. There's a game. I think, yeah, Windows I mean, called Teacher. There's a game for the the Spectrum called Teacher Trouble, uh-huh. and there's one for um for Windows in 2020, just this year, called Teacher Lady. Um, it <laughs> seems like a weird Japanese game. I'm not gonna. It's a puzzle game. Yeah, so, so you're right. There's like lots of Japanese um adventure games that come off various platforms that, that do these and other ones too. Okay. Yeah. So I think it's interesting, but I think from the perspective turned around, it is like a bully or something. Should so I the next one that? is called lynch mob. Okay. First of all, just the idea of lynch mob. It's not as a lynch mob is like, is like totally racist. Yes. It, posse. It should be called. Cause that's what it says. You ride out of town with the posse. You ride out of town with the posse on your trail. Uh, you just killed four innocent people. There's a $5,000 reward on your head, blah, 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 blah. This is just just, just stupid. But, I mean, the whole idea of riding in a posse, I mean, that's Red Dead Redemption 1. Right, there's two. Red Dead Redemption. Red Dead. all the time and make it really compelling and interesting. So I think this has been done. This is just the perspective of this lynch mob thing is, is again, like. Okay, so I'm gonna, just going to read the name of the next one in the, in the summary of what it is. Brain transplant. It's basically your sur- It's like a surgeon game. Um, yeah, yeah. So Surgeon Simulator exists on in VR. It's this crazy surgeons where we're like, it's really funny because you you have to do this really intricate surgery, but 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 the controls are are terrible on purpose, and so you end up like cutting people's heads, heads off and stuff. Well, it's microsurgeon really for the intelligence. Microsurgeon as well. There you go. And there's other ones too. The next one's called Pork Barrel. So this is the last one. Pork Barrel, the video game board game hybrid, casts one of eight gamers as members of the U.S. House of Representatives, starting with a modest personal fortune of $250,000 in small used bills. Each congressman attempts to build his nest egg into a cool million. There are several major means of amassing capital. A player can sell votes, take bribes from foreign governments, and with just a bit of timely wheeling and dealing, make sure that the new interstate highway goes right through the vacant lot you just happened to buy yesterday. Of course, no congressman's life is all blue skies and candy. There are Senate investigators to dodge, nosy reporters to bamboozle, and even an occasional election to survive. And you'd better watch out for that oh-so-decorative secretary with a hidden video camera. Pork Barrel also includes a mini-game for young arcaders called Municipal Pork Barrel. Let's players steal money directly from the city. And then here are the other ones that they say are coming soon. Video Horseshoes, JAA Championship Jacks, Potato Yields in Russia, Video Coin Toss, Natural Disasters, Video Iconoclasm. Those are the things that they would have, those are like the like the ideas that fell off the so list. So that would never happen. Okay. Workshopping this. Yeah. Um. So actually the Pork Barrel game to me sounds kind of fun. Yeah, there's a game out there, came out in 2016 called Congress Wolf. 
Okay, there you and, go. And um, it's a political simulation where you're trying to get elected. I don't know if there's any, and there's basically all those little hairy predicaments they talk about happen, but it's when you're trying to get to get elected, not while you are a congressperson. But still, I mean, I here's the thing: like of like, all these, that would make the a good rise point. of indie games. So it's a lot of this stuff. A lot of games like this came out when the computer game industry was in its infancy, and the entire VCS. So like everyone could just make whatever they wanted. And then in like night from like 1985 to like 2005, for the most part, not always, for the most part, games were pretty much corporate entities, right? I mean, you had shareware, you had id, you know, people doing stuff, but but with always the idea that they would sell out to you know a big comp company, and that was the idea. Well, I don't know if id actually wanted to, but but I mean, they there was there was a point at which id was going to sell out to Sierra. If you if you read the um, the book by um, yeah, and they didn't do it's it, the, and they didn't do it. Yeah, but but anyway, my my point is, but in about two thousand five, the indie game industry sort of exploded. Basically, you know, Xbox Live Arcade plus or two thousand six, Xbox Live Arcade and Flash games and and indie computer games and then mobile games made it so so like no idea is sort of off the table again. And you see lots of games like this and even more and interesting takes. And um, obviously this is sort of supposed to be a funny article, but it's interesting to see that like stuff that they thought would never happen actually did happen. I think that's just the point of it is like at the time, something had to be stuffed in a cartridge um, and they weren't even thinking about computer games. You could tell this is a guy who didn't, who, who wasn't thinking about how cheap it would be to just make a computer game in basic or whatever, right? But whatever, yeah. and sell it on a on a cassette, which they which they were doing at the time. I mean, there's but Spectrum and, and Apple games, obviously Atari game, Atari 800, and Commodore games would come. Um, they're all doing that. But um, I would say that like the I, th I think the thinking was that how would you do this on a single screen game? Wouldn't this be funny? And it turns out. Though everything can be done if you have an open world or you have you're doing adventure games or role playing games. Like every single one of those games is possible. And they weren't saying they weren't impossible. They say, oh, these are bad ideas, but they're not. There's a kernel of a good idea in some of those. I don't think Coin Flip is a good game. <laughs> but, um, no, that's terrible. So playing under us right now is a track by Tony Longworth unnamed but it's called chilled psychedelic track with funky plotting and we're going to use that under our outro today and we have another tony longworth song called fold your head that will come after the end of our discussion um and but we've uh, decided this season to do to play games so that's what the games doing. and do some programming stuff we could just we can uh, we're gonna do a video where we can we can show off things we've been working on. We can show off games we've been playing, Atari games through all the Atari systems, even some other systems like the Apple II, possibly ColecoVision, games yep. that we played when we were kids. And that things from right. the vertical blank. Yep. All the way up to what machine, Steve? The 386DX40. All the way up to the 386DX40. And one thing I'm playing right now what? on my on on that on my Pi 400 what? as a little download, Dune 2. Oh, man, that's awesome. I am House of Atreides all the way. <laughs> okay, so until next time, Steve, into in the vertical blank. Into the vertical blank. Say that one more time. Into the, the vertical blank. Into the vertical blank. Into the vertical blank.
Data, V-blank ending. An 8-Bit Rocket Studios production.